And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Gosh, where do we start? Just trying to encapsulate how good Bakai is. I just feel so glad to be watching him. He's the one. He's called God's child. He's the special one who everybody's expecting the great things from. When you see him, your eyes light up. His temperament is, I think, exceptional, as is, of course, his ability. He's a very easygoing, gentle, humble guy, incredibly humble. And yet he has this capacity to make everyone around him feel better and play better. It's one thing to produce a player of that calibre, but to produce a person of that calibre is quite another. Yeah, Ian Wright always supports me on TV, so yeah, shout out to him. We're seeing it now, especially with everything what happened with the Euros. We're seeing he's gone somewhere else in respect of the levels and his, and his ability. Saka again. Looking to curl one and he does! His first goal for Arsenal! And he caps a glittering display with a lovely goal! Saka keeps on going himself. Oh, why wouldn't he? Glorious goal from Bakayo Saka to make it four. And Martinelli. And it came for Saka who scores in a choice! Kayo Saka's story is inspiring, uplifting, educational, beautiful to watch. My earliest memory really is seeing him come in. He was part of a, a fantastic group of players that we had at Arsenal at that time. Young nine-year-old, fantastic dribbler. My name's Greg Lincoln. I'm the head coach of England under-16s and uh, assistant coach for England under-20s. I was at Arsenal previously for 12 years as a head coach. Um, I was head of the foundation phase. So when Bacow was a, a young nine-year-old and then really sort of followed him through that pathway all the way through to the 23s and, and obviously then went on to the first team. He would dribble at the defender. He would cut inside or would go on the outside. He had a lovely sort of body swerve and faint as he has now. And then that left foot invariably found, you know, either the bottom corner or the top corner. Saka, Cooper's with him, Saka scores! How on earth did he squeeze it in from there? In terms of a person, he was always a fantastic listener, always a fantastic learner. And, you know, he just sort of looked at you and hung on every word, really. But that smile was infectious. A cheeky little nutmeg, great piece of skill. There you go. <laughs> the attribute that stood out most to people in Bikayo from an early age was probably his, his physical qualities and his, his physical dominance of the game. I'm Steve Morrow. I was formerly a player at Arsenal and then went back to join the staff. Back in 2008 and stayed for 11 years. And for most of that time, uh, I was head of youth recruitment, responsible for 
identifying the, the best young players, bringing them into the club regionally and nationally in the UK. I, I saw a little bit beyond that, you know, no matter where he played, and he played predominantly as a left back in his his early days. I saw his, his versatility and his ability to carry the ball forward as well. So it made me think that, you know, he would be able to develop and play in various positions. And I think more in these under 15 and 16 years, we, we started to see the real technical qualities coming through as well. You know, his ability to handle the ball in tight situations, his, his use of the ball, his understanding of the game, knowing when to pass it and when to use his physical qualities to dribble with the ball as well. If you look at the, you know, the four corners of learning that we look at, you know, so what's his technical ability like? What's his tactical understanding? What are his sort of outstanding athletic attributes? So what's he like physically? And then a lot of the time that the differentiator, what's he like psychologically and socially? Psychologically, he was such a good listener, was such a good learner as a person. He personified the values of the club, really. You know, I was a player at Arsenal myself from 10 years of age and, and left at 21. So I was there for 11 years myself, you know, through the system. And they sort of talk about, you know, remember who you are, what you are and who you represent. I'm Amy Lawrence, Arsenal correspondent for The Athletic. Ian, you do an amazing job keeping Rocky's memory and spirit yeah. constantly aflame and alive. Yeah. Do you get that vibe that some people are getting when they look at Bukayo Saka, that you can see something there? I remember when he first got the number seven and we'd done a little piece about it. You wearing that shirt and the fans singing his name and you being as integral to us as you are now, it's amazing. Honestly, I can't even tell you. I remember Pat Rice telling a story about David Rocastle when they done in that classroom where they're all sitting around and he's saying, listen, at the moment you're all here and you're all costing us money. Who amongst you believes that they can get into the first team? Like when he was 15, he said, I will, I'll do it. And Pat Rice says that when he said it, it wasn't said in arrogance or said for any other reason other than he genuinely believed that. And when you look at how good he was, you look at how good Bakayo is and how Bakayo as Talk about somebody we've been talking about from an Arsenal perspective. And I remember saying generational talent. People laughed at me when I'd done it on the podcast saying I'm too close to it. But when you watch him and you see not only is he's, he's, he's a fantastically talented player, he's a very intelligent player, the way he plays. And it's all about the team with the both of them. It's all about the team. They're very individual in their skills and that. But they're, as players, it's all about the team. Rocastle, a central figure again. And he looks to trip Schmeichel, and it's in! A goal for Arsenal! David Rocastle fired the bar, and I think the back of the Manchester United goalkeeper. And he really did personify the values, you know, he was always full of humility, so whether that was playing with the 18s, or playing with the 16s, or playing with the first team, I don't think I ever had a cross word with him. In Bakayo's case, the challenge for him is always going to be to develop the other areas of his game and his technical qualities. He knew he had the physical presence um, on the pitch. And I think when he came to, to Colney as a, a scholar and started training at a higher level, that's when everyone saw that he did have the other parts of his game and that it became obvious quite quickly. Every level he's played, he's had to play in the level above because of how good he was. David was the same. He was much better than the level he was at. And every level he went to, he went to that level and, and moved on again. 
you know, often young players will, you know, come up to Colney and they're they're under 18 year and they're in and out as they develop and, and learn to cope with the speed and tempo of first team training. But Bakayo adapted really quickly and, and virtually when he went up, he, he didn't really come back again. We had a huge emphasis on the player's super strengths. You're trying to develop elite, adaptable, intelligent players. Bakayo played every position other than goalkeeper. I think he learned the, the defensive side of the game, the blocking, the tracking, the intercepting, the positioning. There's many attributes that make him stand out from the rest, but I, I think that is also a key one. He's, he's as effective out of possession as he is in possession. It's a certain wiry strength about Bukayo Saka too, on top of everything else. He was 1v1 dominant. He could always dominate his direct opponent, whether that was playing at left back or left wing further up the field. He would always score. He would always score goals. He would always score important goals. He would always have that game impact that you see now. He would play quite a lot on the left wing, you know, in the academy set up from 14s probably up to, to the 23s. And um, yeah, he would sort of drive at your inside shoulder. There'd be a body swerve. He would then eliminate the opponent with that explosive speed. And then before you know it, the ball's nestling in either the bottom corner or the roof of the net. We played a youth cup game against Tottenham. I remember him scoring a goal in the latter stages of that, you know, into the roof of the net. Similar sort of behaviours to what you see now, similar skills. Yes, I'm happy I accepted the challenge, you know, hello Freddie, hello Thierry. <laughs> he didn't just catch the eye because of his wonderful dribbling skills and his ball manipulation. Saka. His outputs were fantastic. He would always score and he would always assist. Still Saka, onto that left! Oh! I can remember in the under-18s, he was at the top of the league. Tottenham was one point behind us and we had a game in hand and our game in hand was Tottenham. Bakayo was predominantly playing his football in the under-23s by then, but he come back down for this game due to many different reasons. He started as a substitute. We was one nil down with 20 minutes to go and he put on the Superman cape. Might now fall for Saka. Saka in on goal, Saka scores! And lifeline for the Gunners with five minutes remaining. And he scored one and, and set up two. Cottrell against Spurs, back behind the ball, very well organised, but they might be in here, Arsenal. It's Saka looking for Balogun. Oh, it's an own goal. So he would always have that game impact. I am uh, Andres Juncker. I'm from Holland. I've been working as head of the academy for Arsenal from uh, the summer of 2014 until February 2017. At the moment, I'm coach of the national women's team of the Netherlands. We played the Nike Cup final in 2015 in Wembley, which was a very special game. Arsenal won with an outstanding team. In that game, we try him out as a left fullback. Again, he used his physical power to play very offensive at that age already. And he could. I took him on one of his first tours as an under-11. We went to Valencia in Spain and played against the likes of sort of Real Madrid and Barcelona. And he played as a defender, actually. You know, he always embraced every challenge. It wasn't like, what, me? I'm the attacker. I'm the one who gets all the goals. His behaviour was always impeccable. He always had those 
elite behaviours that you talk about. I always felt that it was quite an easy job for, for me and for us as a, a department and a club to to sell the club to players because before Bacayo, there were several other young players who, who came through the system or got opportunities to play in the first team at an early age. And, you know, Arson certainly set that legacy um, and made it an important part of the identity of the club. For a player like Bacayo, you explain to him, listen, we have confidence in your potential. We want to give you a scholarship. We have confidence we can offer you a contract after that. We're pretty convinced you're going to make it at least until the under 23. A big part of my job was to know very well all of the age groups and, and be down and present at Hill End and be aware of the best young talents that were coming through. And, and certainly I can recall at around under 13, under 14 time when you know I, I really made sure I had to know the, those best talented players and, and know them well. That's when I first, you know, became very aware of Bacayo. Under 14 and under 16 are, are very important years in a player's development. You can technically be offered a scholarship at the end of your under 14 year, so it's an important year. And then obviously at under 16, um, you, you can get offered a, a scholarship and a pro contract as, as well. Well, in England at that time, they had to go to school until 16. Obligation. So you can't practice during the day. But after the under 16, you have to offer those boys a scholarship and you could promise them a contract from the moment they became under 17. And at that moment, you have to make a choice for the boys where you really think they are going to play in the under 18s. They are good enough. And that was a big step in life. Becoming under 18 meant becoming more or less full professional, not having to go to school just a couple of hours organized by Arsenal in the Premier League, but not really going to school every day, much more focused on football. So for every club, that's an important decision because you had to sign the boy for two years. And you know, then you have to know what you're doing. You have to trust the boy. You need confidence in his situation and his potential. I was the one who had to give him his scholarship so then you have to speak with the parents, you have to speak with the boy, you have to explain which pathway you are thinking of as a club. I remember from the family, they were very close to him as well. They were together, they were understanding and they had confidence in the club's opinion. He has an unbelievable family behind him, you know, and that, that tells you everything that you need to know about the um, the man himself. He always struck me as being, yes, a little bit quiet and shy, but very self-assured and was always able to, you know, take any knocks and, and get up again and, and keep going forward. Um, very, very strong-willed. His father was always so supportive of everything we was trying to do. He recognised that it was coming from the right place which as a coach made your job really, really easy. You knew at the age of nine, 10, when Yomi was driving him home back to Eden in West London, you know, after a night's training at Haylen, he wouldn't be contradicting what the coaches were trying to do to help Bacow improve. You know, if there was something that maybe he was uncertain of or, or, you know, wanted to respectfully challenge, you'd always have those conversations and communication. It was done the right way. The care for him and his development and what that would look like in the next, you know, two, three, four years was of the utmost importance to them. It wasn't 
necessarily other things that maybe other players or families would, would be focused a little bit more on. Me and my family are very proud of this moment to sign my professional contract and sign my scholarship as well. We're happy at this club and we're just enjoying every moment. It took time, it, it, it took an effort to keep him in the club, but it also you, you could feel the confidence in our plans with him. Was there competition from other clubs? <laughs> in England there are always rumours. It's such a difficult profession. It's the most competitive profession in the world. You know, there's always someone chasing, trying to get your shirt. I'm not sure that everybody was on the same page in terms of predicting that he would be where he is today. That was the question we asked ourselves at the time. Was this kid that good because of his physical qualities at that age? Or is he a really outstanding player and was difficult to judge? I'm quite honest about it. There were uh, three in the academy where I thought they're going to make it to Arsenal first team. Three, and Bakaya was not one of them. You've got to have a, a certain physical quality in conjunction with the right level of technical ability and being able to fit into the Arsenal style of play. This is a club, if you show yourself, you will play in Arsenal. And I think probably as importantly on top of those things was the character of the player, really. Um, and the coaches, and specifically Arsene, was very big on that. In one sense, you have to continue to nurture those strengths and develop those strengths. And that's ultimately what will get you a career in football at that time, you know, get you into the Arsenal first thing. And if you can do all of those things and combine them well, then you'll have a chance just like Bakayo did. Losing it one turn too many. It can break here. It's promising for Kane. Grealish is up with him. Grealish lets it run. And then Grealish gets it from Lingard. And Bukayo Saka puts it in. A first England goal for the bright young talent that is Bukayo Saka. After I left Arsenal, I went on to you know, take a senior position at the FA as head of player selection with England. And the first time I went there was for um, the Euros in England and, you know, being, being around St George's Park. And I was chuffed when, you know, Bakai was obviously in that squad and played a big part in that squad. And, you know, came came straight up to me and said, you know, he heard that I had joined England and um, how pleased he was for me. And, um, and you know, that, that says a lot for, for him as well. Saka has to score. It's saved by Donnarumma, and it's Italy who are the champions of Europe. When you think about the Euros, he was given the task of taking the fifth penalty. If everything went the other way, Bukayo Saka could have won us the, the Euros with his penalty. That is the esteem that he's held in. You know, we, we kept in touch, you know, before and after the Euros when obviously he went through the the heartache of missing uh, a penalty there. Um, you know, we, we kept in touch and, you know, we made sure he was fully supported following that. And he, he dealt with that incredibly well. I'm so blessed and so grateful to have, you know, coaching staff, not only here in Gareth and all the team at England, but also at Arsenal. Knowing Bakayo, I knew he was strong. And uh, from that, he would build on it. My name's Lynn Cheney and I've been working for Arsenal for 35 years. I coordinate all the players' mail, charity requests, uh, special requests for supporters going through difficulties. I expected we'd get 
you know, a few supportive letters. So the first, say, day three or four, it was the normal 20, 30. By day seven, there was 300 to 400 arriving a day. So I thought, that's not bad. And then the following week, it was started going up to nearly a thousand within a couple of days. So obviously I spoke to like my colleagues at the club and said, look, this is something very unusual, but it just escalated and escalated. And when I was opening them, obviously I could see that it wasn't just Arsenal fans, it was fans globally and not just football fans. There was four and a half thousand letters that coming in three weeks and we read all of them and they were all supportive and such kind words sent to him and we didn't see anything that was nasty at all. And it weren't just letters, we had teddy bears, like little miniature cups that children have saved their pocket money. Well, I sat down with a few of my colleagues and we said we wanted to do something special. So it went from just doing an album when we realised, no, this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it came up with the wall. Let's do like a wall for him at the training ground. I saw a massive wall of letters from loads of different fans. So he comes back, we can do it. And it was going from a couple of boards to nearly half of the indoor hall. Yeah, my, my mouth just dropped. Oh my God. I don't think it really hit him until he got closer and closer to see how many letters had come in, because they were all over the floor. We couldn't fit them on the board. Oh my gosh, it's getting bigger as I get <laughs> They were all over the, like, sprawled out all over the indoor hall floor. How do I even say thank you for all of this? Can I just pick it all up and take it home? And when it was finished, you just felt proud. You looked at this wall and thought, like, we've all, a lot of colleagues have come together here. But it just shows the Arsenal family what we're like. We do value everyone. That's why I'm so proud of the club. Now this is one brave boy for Kaio Saka because this is one pressure penalty. These are broad shoulders. This is courage. A sporting moment in time for Kaio Saka. This could be the best news of all because Arsenal have reached an agreement with Bukayo Saka over a new long-term contract. And that really is monumental. You know, there are times where you're just, you're just watching and almost shaking your head in disbelief at how brilliant it is that this player is playing for your team. You know, sometimes you think, you know, you need other people to be the ones who are decisive and... What have you, but how many times is it Bakaya this season? How many times is it either an assist or a goal or a moment where he's been the one that's breaking open a game? Saka. Bakayo Saka! Nobody in the Premier League creates as many chances from carrying the ball as Bukayo Saka. So 
or imagine that continuing for many, many years to come. I'm Adrian Clark, former Arsenal winger turned broadcaster, also part of the handbrake off team for The Athletic. In the here and now, I can't see anything stopping Bukayo Saka from continuing his development, getting better and better. I mean, the numbers that he's posting year on year are on a huge upward curve. Wingers and talented players get kicked, get fouled uh, and get demand to win games. And um, and that's a task that he has, that he's rolling the team. And this is why everybody's so worried when he is getting kicked all over the place. Because I think that's the only thing that's going to stop him. Every single time he's kicked, Sometimes you've seen him playing in games and you're thinking, could he have rested this game? Does he need to be playing in this game? You know, of course you're worried because I think that if Arsenal are going to achieve anything, he's going to be the main fulcrum involved in that. He's going to be the, one of the main reasons why we get to the levels that we want to get to. I think we'll get there, but like obviously as long as he's managed very well. And when you listen to Mikel, and I totally understand, Mikel saying he doesn't want any player feeling that any game is more important than any other game. Look at the top players in the world, they play 70 matches every three days and make the difference and win the game. If you want to be at the top, you have to be able to do that. At the same time, you do want as well for him to be managed in a way where he is going to be at his peak every time we see him. We don't want this to be his peak because you you should improve. You should become a more intelligent player. You should become technically better and even stronger physically in your mid-twenties. But we have to balance things carefully to make sure that he gets there in the best physical condition. When I was speaking to a lot of the Invincibles about that team for the book that I was lucky enough to get the chance to talk to them all for a few years ago, one of the things that came out from a lot of the other players when they talked about, particularly Thierry and Dennis, was that there was something very reassuring for them about feeling that they could give the ball to those players and that they could make something magic happen. They could be difference makers and that they've had confidence in them, in their ability to be a difference maker again and again and again, whatever the situation. And it looks like the current generation of players feel exactly that way about Bakayo. He's just that perfect, you know, that perfect boy which you wish will either be your son or, or your brother who's been brought up the right way. So it's a, it's a massive testament to his mum and dad. He has this beautiful mix of being a kind of a lovable soul, supremely talented and also so physically tough and resilient with it. And he needs all of those qualities really to cope with life as are great because it's psychologically quite mad, I think, probably to be in the kind of company that he's capable of being in. The best way I can thank the fans is to help the team um, win the game and get three points. I feel like that would be the best way we can all enjoy our Sunday at the Emirates. It just means more than keeping a good player at the club because he is the embodiment of this this new feeling at the club. He crystallises it and it, it more than anyone. To produce a player like that from your academy, have them playing every week in the first team is in itself a fairy tale. But to go on from that and drive and lead the team to success, possibly silverware, that's when the fairy tale becomes a legend. And 
it does feel as if even at the tender age of 21, Bukayo Saka may well be on that path. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.